was I was praying, we, uh, you know, I mentioned where we've been looking at uh, Acts, but specifically looking at what does this baptism of the Holy Spirit mean for us? Um, and what we've seen is it means that as a church, the Holy Spirit is given to us, and the Holy Spirit is given to everybody that believes in Jesus. Uh, what believes in Jesus means is that we believe that we need forgiveness for our sins. We believe that forgiveness can be found in Jesus. And so we want to follow him uh, based on the acceptance that we have through God, through the forgiveness that we've found in Jesus. In other words, we want to pursue and build our relationship with God and our relationship with other people through this mechanism of forgiveness that's being offered us, as opposed to trying to build it through us figuring out what the right thing to do is and doing it. It doesn't mean that we can't figure, try and figure out what the right thing is to do is and that we can't try and do what's the right thing. It's just that our hope is not tied in us being successful with that because we've had enough history to prove that no matter how successful we think we've done in this and this, we're ultimately going to blow it. And whether we were successful or not, it's all going to come tumbling down. It's like we, we've, we've had enough experience. It's not that we can't build something with it. We build a house, but it's built on sand, and it eventually just gets all torn down. And, and so instead, we're building it on this other concept of if we're going to have a relationship with God, it has to be based on God's willingness to forgive and, and based on our willingness to accept that forgiveness and accept responsibility and repent. And so based on that, the promise is, is that God is going to give us the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will rest on each one of us. And what that means is, it's not that we will do all the things that Jesus did. It's that all the things that Jesus did and the totality of who Jesus is, is resting in the Holy Spirit. And that will be seen uh, for us as a church as we come together. But each one of us will have some small part of that, or, or not even small, just a part, whether large or small. We'll have some part and the totality of all of our parts of that Holy Spirit will be the whole thing. And what we're looking at today is historically uh, a key passage that the church has focused on going all the way back to early church fathers. Every uh, sort of important person that's written has written on this section. And what it is, is it's Isaiah talking about the coming of Jesus so that people will be ready for it and will be looking for, for this Savior, this Messiah. But then he specifically talks about what we saw happening in Acts, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, specifically talking about when Jesus comes and when his work is, is completed in terms of him paying the price for our sins, being raised from the dead, going up into heaven, and as Jesus spoke of, the gift of the Holy Spirit coming down, here's what it is. It's pointing to those things, and the reason why the church has always looked at this is because it's pivotal for us to, it's a, it's a aid for us 
to be able to grab a hold of what our personal gift of the Holy Spirit is and how it is as a church we can grab a hold of our corporate gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's here to sort of point us in the direction because as soon as you talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit and you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the I mean, the, the question that arises is, well, how do I figure all this out? I mean, how do I know what my gift of the Holy Spirit is? How do I know what my part is? How, how do I know what God's given me? How, how do I know how that can get exercised in the church? How, we have all these different questions concerning it. And, you know, thousands of years ago, before Jesus even came, God gave us through Isaiah, there's this list of six different things and it's really just three sets of pairs that sort of there's three things that Isaiah tells us about this gift of the Holy Spirit that sort of span uh, or are explained by their pairings of these two different things. So here's sort of three ways. It's sort of a very simple thing. It's three ways that we can find the Holy Spirit in our life. Three ways that we can identify what the Holy Spirit is doing. And, and sort of three ways that us as an individual can see the giftings that we have, what that might be, and what it means for us as a church. And each one of these is seen throughout the pairing of two other things. And each of these things, the, the wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, fear of the Lord, throughout the Old Testament, they're talked about in some places just as an individual item, so they can be thought of as individual, but they're almost always paired together in different ways to explain something about them. And the pairings are not always just in these, there's many times it's wisdom and understanding, it's talked about with that pairing. But as we'll see, some of it will be wisdom, understanding, and then knowledge. They'll talk about that too. So there's ways that they sort of form these. So, so they're not meant to be um, the only way that you can see these things. And, and they're not meant to be looked at as though my spiritual gift is wisdom, or my spiritual gift is understanding, my spiritual gift is counseling. My spiritual gift is my, they're, they're not like that. Paul talks about things in that direction, and, and we might look at that if we have time. Uh, but what it is, is it's, here's whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is doing, it's going to encompass these things. So it's not something where it says, you know, my gift is wisdom. It's that every gift of the Holy Spirit will encompass this. These things. And so if we're looking for these things, it'll help us point us in the direction of how we fit in. And so let me just take a look at these first two pairings. It says wisdom and understanding. Now, one of the things when we look through the Bible, that a mistake that we often do, I do it all the time. And it's just a very common thing. And I bring it up because we've just read through the entire Bible. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to start reading through the New Testament. And so one of the mistakes that we make is we see a word uh, like wisdom, and then we just think about it in terms of, well, what does that mean to me? But that's sort of the wrong way to look at it, because whatever it means to me, that's meaningless. <laughs> 
The question is, what does it mean to the person who spoke those words? If I'm trying to understand, it's like when someone talks to me, and if all I'm thinking about is what their words mean to me, I'm going to oftentimes just miss out on what they're saying. You, you have to stop and say, what are they trying to communicate? And, and so if you want to try and figure out what is it that God is communicating to us, what is Isaiah communicating to us through here? Uh, let's look at what the Bible, especially places prior to Isaiah, how is this work? How are these pairings used? And so for this first pairing, uh, I want to point us over to Exodus 31. And it goes, it's Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and Exodus is the next. So it's up at the beginning. It says, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of God. See, we're trying to figure out, what, what does this mean? This baptism of the Holy, we have some past examples of this to look at. And, and Isaiah is pointing us to one of these examples. And, and there may be some other places where wisdom and understanding are paired, but, but for me, I, this is the only one I found, but it, it's a good one to look at because it's not necessarily what we expect. So he's talking about when God gives the Holy Spirit, and he says, with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge, those three things. Knowledge is mentioned later, but he's definitely pairing those two together, wisdom and understanding. And it says, with all kinds of skills. But, but what that actually is, is he lists these three things, and then he says, with the work that you have. And that work is paired with what we see later, the work of God. And he says, to make artistic designs for work in wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oleb, son of Ahizamek of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. So what Isaiah is pointing at here, that, that every gift of the Holy Spirit, when he gives it to the church, and when we get our portion and we're trying to figure out what is our specific gift of the Holy Spirit, well, what are the things, how might we explain it? He's saying, here's a way of looking at it. It's like when God gave wisdom and understanding to this guy, so that he, and to other people in conjunction with him, which we'll look at in a second, but to be able to do great works of art, to be able to have this inspiration to create a work of art that isn't in line with what they want to express, but is in line with what the creator of the universe wants to express. The, the God that created Everything that's so intricate, the beauty of, you know, the Grand Canyon, the beauty of forests, of oceans, just the, all the beauty of the earth, the art and the inspiration that went into the, the greatest expressions of that. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to give us those moments of inspiration. It's like when... Uh, Mozart, maybe, creates a song. What we don't think about is there, there was this moment of sort of inspiration. 
and the beauty of the song isn't that you know i don't i doubt it made mozart a bunch of money at the time but we don't we oftentimes think of that well it made a bunch of no that's not the beauty of it the beauty of it in life is having these moments where it's like uh like if you were to think of it in terms of running, not even just in art, it's not just confined to art, but like the runner's high where you just feel like you can just sprint forever, that there's these beautiful moments in life that we can connect to. And we think that how we connect to them is through who we are and our works. That if I put in 15,000 hours into playing the guitar, then I'll be able to write a masterpiece and have this moment of inspiration. It, it, it doesn't actually work like that. But we can see how that happens from time to time. It's few and far between. But if we can have that, it could be writing software. It could be anything in life. What we want, what makes it beautiful, is this moment of sort of inspiration. And oftentimes, if you talk to someone, even if they don't believe in Jesus or anything like that, you say you talk to someone who's a songwriter, they'll often say, you know, I, I want to have that moment, but oftentimes, I, can't, I, I know it's, it, it's coming from something other than me because I, I, I like have to wait. And sometimes I have to wait long, and then it just comes from like nowhere. What the promise of God is is that even though we're in this situation, as what we said, that we were trying to do the right thing and have life and relationship and have all this joy based on us doing the right thing, but what we find is we just keep, we maybe taste it for a second, but then it's pulled away because we just keep messing it up. He's saying, I'm going to give that to you as a gift. Just because it's still based on my graciousness and it's based on forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you can't have the joy of that moment when something beautiful is created through us. But we'll know it's something that God is giving. It's not something that, that we've created on our own. And the Holy Spirit is what makes that clear. And, and as we come into the church, the joyfulness of it is, that will oftentimes you'll have this moment of some sort of creativity and you'll just see it in your normal life with something. And it'll be something where like, maybe it happens once a month, maybe every two months, every six months, every year. The, the beautiful thing about coming into the church where people are needed and where, where God's intention is, is that what that we need, it's like it's come into a situation where it needs to be used it sort of brings regularity to it. And we're living in that joy. And it's constantly, it's happening regularly. It's a, um, uh, uh, later on, he talks about a, a steadfastness down in like verse five, that that's what Jesus brings up, faithfulness. But the word is really, you know, he has this belt of righteousness and steadfastness that, that what Jesus does through this gift is bring these things regularly to us. We can start to count on that joy that we have because it's not based on us. If it was, we couldn't count on it. We'd just be left in uncertainty. He says that's the word for poor later on. We'd be left in uncertainty, but we're not because it's based on Jesus and this gift of the Holy Spirit. So, why is it important for us to try and figure out 
what our gift of the Holy Spirit is and why is it for us as a church to be looking to how we can all express these gifts because what we want out of life is dependent on that. This, this beautiful moment of inspiration or being connected to something beautiful that God is creating and that we're enjoying. The Holy Spirit pulls that out and gives it to us as a gift. Oftentimes we try and grab a hold of that on our own. We try and grab a hold of that through our own effort. We try and figure out, you know, how can I have that moment of sort of inspiration? And we think about it. Maybe I want to be a mathematician. Maybe I want to do it in the tech field. Maybe I want to do it in the teaching field. And we have these hopes for that. But what Isaiah is saying, that's good to have those hopes. But it shouldn't take us too long to realize that because of who we are and the mistakes that we make, the mistakes that other people make, that our hope is really in the gift of God giving it and God is promising to give it to us. And the place where we'll find that is in these gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they're worked out uh, in the church. Now, the next thing he says, uh, counsel and of might. Um, there's this little story in Second uh, Samuel. I can't remember the guy's name, Ahithophel or something like that. You know, half these names, I don't even know how to pronounce it, even if I'm looking at it. So let's just say it's a Hithophath or whatever. And, and, but you'll know what story I'm talking about if you, if you read through 2 Samuel. What, what, what's happened is, is that David, again, talk about mistakes. God's given him all this stuff. And God said, look, if you had wanted more, I would have given you more. But what David does is he just completely blows it. He sees this woman that he thinks is beautiful. He ends up sleeping with her. He ends up getting her pregnant, but she's married to someone else. And she ends up being married to, she's married to, I mean, he knew who she was. He knew that she was married to one of his most loyal soldiers. And so he decides he's going to try and cover it up. And so he invites this guy back from the battlefield and wants him to go and sleep with his wife so that everyone, and so this guy will think it'll sort of cover it up, hide it, and that the baby, you know, will be close enough to be, oh, this is his baby or something like that. And it's a little bit unclear as to whether or not he, well, whatever, that was the plan. Uriah uh, says, no, I, on a matter of principle, not necessarily because of that, but he doesn't want to go and enjoy his family while all of his uh, fellow soldiers are out fighting battle. He just doesn't see that that's right, so he doesn't. And so David realizes this isn't going to work, so he tells, I think it's Joab or his commander of his army, hey, look, put this guy at the front of the battle, and when the battle becomes fiercest, I want you to just pull back and leave him there. And so he does it and pulls back. And to Uriah's credit, he stays there at the front, and he's killed. So he's murdered. So David's committed adultery. He's committed murder. And uh, it's sort of gone unspoken. But then God brings it up with Nathan, and God deals with it. Uh, God forgives him 
but God says there's going to be some things that are going to end up happening because of, because you're the leader of this country and people need to know where I stand on this. And, and so one of the things that God had brought up is his son Absalom ends up trying to overthrow the kingdom and it's the civil war and he David has to flee for his life. And anyone that's supporting him has to flee for his life. And Absalom ends up taking over the entire kingdom. And Absalom obviously knows that he needs to kill his father, David, in order to solidify this. And, and as David's fleeing, an uh, interesting thing happens because someone says to him, and I think it just says someone says, uh, that Ahithophel, or whatever the guy's name is, is counseling Absalom. And David is just like, oh, no. <laughs> And he says, God, I pray that his counsel will be like foolishness. But then it says something in the next chapter. It says, the un so that we can understand what was going on. He says, Ahithophel's uh, counsel in those days was like one that was talking to God. So in other words, there's this gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and thankfully for David, what ends up happening is, uh, Absalom doesn't listen to it. <laughs> it's like advice of like talking to God. Here's what God's doing. Here's how you can connect. Here's what you should do in this situation. And, and, but it's like, when, you know, like, uh, uh, you get, I don't know, you get a cold or something like that. And someone says, okay, here's what you need to do in this situation except for the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is that it makes that situation be like you were talking to God, like God was telling you, here's what you need to do. Now, that changes things. Now, if you just think about it, obviously, we, we love to have these moments of inspiration, but everybody, all of us, love giving advice. We just love it. It's like someone wants something to happen, and we'll say, oh, I know exactly what you need to do. You need to drink just tomato juice for the next six months, and all your problems would be solved. In fact, if everybody in the world drank tomato juice for six months straight, nothing else, there would be no problems in the world. We love giving advice. There's this little story uh, about... Uh, Elisha ends up healing this guy, naming another military guy, a general, person in charge of, I don't know, one of the northern kingdoms, I think, Syria or Syria, I think. And, and he has, but he has leprosy. And so it's the story of Elisha utilizing his gift given to him by the Holy Spirit to heal people, which is one of the gifts that Paul talks about, and that we have that accessible to us. But it's not that he just chooses oh, to heal him. What happens is, is that healing happens based on Elisha giving this guy advice. And the advice that he gives him is, go dip yourself in the Jordan. You know, take a bath in the Jordan. And the guy just storms off. And a servant, he says to a servant, you know, if I need it, to dip myself in water, I could, in my own country, the rivers are so much more beautiful than this. 
what the advice was. He says, his servant says, look, if he had asked you to, told you to go do something really brave, something courageous, something great, you would have just done it. But he's just said, go do this. Why don't you just go do that? What the gift is, the first one, is about the Holy Spirit enables us through these moments of inspiration to be able to create something beautiful to, for us personally to be able to connect with the work of God and the joy that comes from that. And this second pairing is here to show us that like, and also he's giving us the joy of being able to connect other people through what God is doing, through the giving of advice to connect to, it says counsel and power, to connect to the power of God through advice. But what we often do is we think, well, this person, we read this story about someone drinking tomato juice, and so we're connecting to the power that this person has done or figured out. That, that's not, it, it just ends up being stupid. About not, most of our advice is like ridiculous. It doesn't work for the, but we just feel so confident that we're giving good advice. But it's the joy of actually being able to give advice that has the power to connect someone to what it is that God, that God is behind this. And that's a beautiful thing. So the first is how do we connect ourselves? The second is about part of each gift will be in the way that we're able to connect people to what God is doing. The joy of being able to connect someone to something that's going to be life-changing for them. We know that there's a joy that's there. We're already all trying to connect to that, but we're just doing it in the wrong way. We're doing it in a way that has no hope. We're doing it in the way where it says down in verse 3, Jesus is not going to judge by what his eyes see, nor by what his ears hear, he's going to delight in the fear of the Lord, which is, what's the fear of the Lord? He's just described it as a gift that God's given. The Holy Spirit enables us to be able to really genuinely help someone out by giving them some advice that is going to be life-changing not because it's connected to what we've seen and heard and what we see works in this world, because that doesn't result in what we want. It's a house on sand. But advice that's life-changing because it's connecting them to God, and it's connecting them to what God is doing, and connecting them to the things that God wants to build and the plans that God has. Every gift is about that. The last one is it says the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Uh, everyone knows when it says the fear of the Lord that there's, well, let, let, let's look over at, uh, there's this little verse, Exodus 20, 20. Uh, let me read that verse to you. This is after Moses is given the Ten Commandments and the, uh, God's presence is there and uh, they, they can see God there. They're terrified of God. And Moses says to the people, 
don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So, so what, what's the, the fear of God? It's, he says, don't be afraid. It's not about being afraid. The fear of God isn't about being afraid. There's things that are causing you to be afraid, but that's not what this is about. It's about us coming to see the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord isn't about being afraid. It's about something else. And he um, brings out this word, it's so that God will test you so that you see. And that's the connection that there is with knowledge. What's a test about? A test is testing you on your knowledge so that you will learn, know whether or not you've learned the fear of the Lord. What's being said there? That word test uh, in Exodus, there was a series of that word being used when, when Israel was in Egypt and they were slaves, Egypt was oppressing them violently, and God came in and, and through Moses did all these miraculous things and brought them out of Egypt and led them. They had this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, led them so that their backs were up against the Red Sea. And Pharaoh decided, he reversed his decision and was going to come after them. And so they see the army of Pharaoh coming at them. And when they see it, by what their eyes see and what their ears hear, there's knowledge there. It's empirical knowledge. They've lived in Egypt. They know what Pharaoh's army is capable of. They know what they are capable of. These are all facts. This is all knowledge that they have. And because of that, they know for a fact that Pharaoh's army is going to come in and annihilate them, kill them. And they know there's no way they can get across this Red Sea. That's all knowledge that they have. And that knowledge is leading them to think a certain way. And where that's leading them to is to just be scared to death. And so it says they start crying out to God. And God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And the question is, he's like, he's testing them. He's saying to them, why are you crying out to me? Because though it is true, you know about this army, and you know you can't come here. He says, why are you crying out to me? Raise your staff and part the Red Sea. What's God getting at there? Look, they have knowledge. It's real knowledge that Pharaoh's army is going to kill them. It's real knowledge that they can't cross this Red Sea. But they also have some other knowledge to go on. They have all these miracles that God had just done. They also have the knowledge that God had led them to this situation. They also have the knowledge that God had promised that he's going to take them to this other land, to the promised land and give them. They have that. That's a promise of God. They have that knowledge. What, what is getting at here is that the Holy Spirit, the test of God is saying, look, do you remember any of the knowledge about me? I just want to test you to see, have you remembered anything that you've learned in class? <laughs> you know, do you remember that one plus one is two? Do you remember that two plus two is three? You know, uh, two plus two is three. What am I saying? It's four. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a math major. 
look, he's saying this is what the Holy Spirit does. It gives us knowledge that goes beyond just what we see in here concerning ourselves. And that knowledge helps us make these decisions in life. And we keep thinking that we're going to be able to gain this knowledge. You know, I know for a fact that drinking tomato juice for six, there was a study by a dentist in Belgium that proved that drinking tomato juice for six months revolutionizes the world. And we would all, if we would all just do it, we have that knowledge. But most of the knowledge that we have, I was watching this, uh, uh, I don't know, it's a silly, uh, you know, running out of things to watch late at night or whatever to wind down. It was this uh, uh, documentary on Robert McNamara, which, you know, it's just some dude that was like Secretary of Defense or whatever. But anyways, it goes back through history of what was happening with the United States, like going back to like World War One. World War II, and then like talks about the Cuba Missile Crisis and stuff like that. And so it keeps inserting in, uh, the, whole, the whole thing was depressing, but, but that, the, the one thing that I'm bringing out in it was that it was interesting and in that it kept having these recordings of this guy's conversation with the presidents of the United States. One of them would be like Kennedy. And every single conversation was put like this. Well, we need to get a plan. We need to decide what we're going to do, the president would say, because he's looking to this guy, Secretary of Defense, and, and every single time the guy would say, well, we, we just don't really know what's going on out there. We just don't have any idea. And it's like, well, we got to make a plan. And, and what was amazing was is this guy kept saying, look, the the country, America, is constantly making these plans. We feel like we need to move forward, but we're constantly moving forward without any knowledge. We don't know what's going on there. They thought with Cuba that the missiles hadn't been brought in yet, and so they put this blockade around it. But he said he, he had a meeting with Cuba like years and years later after the whole thing, and Fidel told him, it's like, he said, hey, I just got to ask you this because I've been wondering it the whole time. It's like, did you guys actually have any of the nuclear? And I think Fidel said, yeah, we had like 160 nuclear weapons. And he goes, well, were you going to use them? I had already told Russia to use them if you invade. Well, that would have been annihilation of human. Yeah, but you would have done the same thing. He said, hey, listen. We're just constantly making these decisions in life based on what we think we see or what we think we hear, based on what we think our capabilities are. But most of the time, almost always, we're making decisions and our, we don't even have real knowledge about it. And, but we're always so insistent that our knowledge is correct that we do know something. And, and so then we can lead us forward. But what we'll find is it always leads us forward into this place of fear and reacting and doing things that really aren't based on knowledge. It's fake knowledge. It's really just based on our fear of a situation and our fear of this. And, and what the Holy Spirit does is frees us from all that. 
we don't have to make a decision based on what we're capable of. Even if it means raise your step, part the Red Sea, then let's do that way. It's based on what do we know that God has done for us? What do we know in life of God's demeanor towards us? Does God care for us? Does God love us? Is God willing to intervene? Does God have a plan? The gift of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful, wonderful thing that isn't just, I've got the gift of administration. I've got the gift of healing. I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of, those are all wonderful, wonderful things. But the joy isn't so much just in that one thing happening and being able to do something great. The joy is about the effect that those things have on us personally and on our lives and on the lives of the church and on the lives of people around us. And the Holy Spirit is directing us into these beautiful moments of inspiration where we, things become clear. These beautiful moments where we're able to direct people into a place where there's actually some sort of beautiful change that occurs. It's a way that, that bypasses the knowledge that we think we have that we don't really have that always just leads to fear and centers us on what it is that we know about God and what it is that we see God doing. And for us as a church, it's an important thing. And, you know, one of the things that I think it's pointing to us right now is if we look, what, what is it that God's doing? One of the things that's just very clear right now that God's doing for us as a church and us as connected through the friendship that we have with other people is the things that are happening right now with Tribe Inc. That the, I think through the CARES Act, the county, the federal government has granted millions of dollars for us to be able to help people. It's not even coming from our own pocket. It's, it's being able to help people, to feed people, to provide, per pe to provide some jobs for people, to provide money. And, and the state, the federal, when you look at their, the impact of the money they're trying to put in, they've only granted it to two sources, Tribe Inc. And I think to like, I don't know what the other one is, like the Sheriff's Vacation League or something, Athletic League or something like that. It's a huge pivotal moment. But, but the beauty of it isn't that. The beauty of it is for us, who are believers, who are participating, is that within that, there's, if we want to, we don't have to, but if we can plug into that, if we choose to just try and plug, the promise is that we'll be able to enjoy, we will find this moments of inspiration when, when we're when something we're contributing to something being built and, and when we're experience that joy of like this idea like well, I think this would work here that kind of joy and then seeing it work that's laying out and the accessibility to it is the, all that God's been doing more and more and more is just making it more and more accessible to everybody to be able to join in to that work. The ability to be able to, it's not that the government or that the money or that the food or that any, none of that's going to be life-changing, but the Holy Spirit is life-changing. 
And it's an opportunity to be able to connect people to who God is and how God loves them and how God cares for them and the plans that God has for them. And it's a chance for us to You know, stop taking hope in what is it that, you know, people are going to be able to do to help. We have some knowledge about God that opens the doors to all sorts of things. It's a beautiful opportunity for us as a church to be able to see what the Holy Spirit, what this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for us as a church means. It's a beautiful opportunity that God is giving us for us as individuals to be able to start seeing what is it that God is calling. And it's not the type of thing where it's connected like, oh, I delivered food, so I must be called to be a delivery driver. I worked on computers, so I must be called to work on computers. I work with money so that I must be called to be an accountant. That's not what's happening. (laughs) But through these moments of experiencing this inspiration is when we're connecting, when God miraculously allows us in a very beautiful way to connect our work to his work. When God beautifully allows us to connect other people to that work as it gives us some other data points to think about, to include God into our data points or our knowledge that we have so that we can start making decisions in life, not based on fear. Those are the things that will lead us. So many of us, we're always trying to figure out how can I have that place in life where I have this inspiration? How can I have that place where I'm making a difference? How can I have that place where I'm, basing it on a knowledge that that allows me that freedom to pursue that. Those are the things we have the opportunity to learn. Those are the things that we have to be able to see. And if we're looking for that and what we see and do in terms of, you know, apart from the church, apart from God, we're never going to find it. It's always going to end in something disappointing. But for us as a church, for us specifically, who we are, this is our opportunity. And it may go for the next three months. It might go for six months. It might go for longer. But, but whatever the case is, it's always a window. And it's akin to those moments that he's saying here, God's testing us to see what we know. To ask why we're crying out to him. It, it's this moment. And it's not test in a bad sense. It's just he wants us to know how much are we learning about how he does things? How much are we learning about what he's moving forward? And how much are we keeping that in our hearts and minds and letting that direct us forward? And the test isn't like an evil teacher testing us to fail us. It's about a good, wonderful teacher that is only testing us because they just want so badly for us to have the joy of what it is that is being found in this gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us. We thank you for the portion that you've given to each of us that believe. And we just pray, Lord, that we would look forward to using that. That in your heart, you would create, in our heart, you would create a yearning for us to explore that, to see what that is about, to step out into that and see where that leads us as a church and also leads us each in our individual lives. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.